When we scheduled our speaker today, he was a Memphis church planter, but Jesus changed his story. Today, we have the opportunity to hear from our worship leader, Mr. Stevie Flockhart, is going to come bring a parable to us today. Come on. All right. We've got a big crowd for a, a rainy July 4th weekend, and that pumps me up. Uh, man, I am about being here this morning, uh, just in a different context, a different uh, kind of context of what I'm used to. And I thought about, because most of you probably, if you go here regularly, see me up here uh, playing guitar or singing. And so I was going back and forth on how to approach it today, how to give this message, you know, would I, would I bore them, would I freak anybody out if I just talked the whole time? So my original plan was I was just going to sing the entire message. Uh, yeah, so it wouldn't confuse anybody, but then I thought that might get like a freaky Disney movie if I was going like, turn your Bibles to Luke 15, ha ha ha, and that would just be weird, right? And people would throw stuff at me and beat me up after church, and I didn't want to go down, down that route. So I'm just going to talk for like 25, 30 minutes, so just bear with me. Uh, I think that we're going to look at a great story today that Jesus told himself about the prodigal son. So if you take your Bible uh, or turn your iPhone, your iPad on uh, to Luke chapter 15, and I want to say real quick, man, the band just killed it today. Are they not awesome? Come on, give it one more time. Yeah. And Jason did an unbelievable job. Uh, and dude's trying to come up in here and take my job or something. So uh, he did great. I'll actually let him lead here every six, seven, eight weeks if he give me free Disney World tickets. So uh, it was good. Um, I want to ask uh, this story. Uh, reads almost, and I just see my life in it, like an autobiography of my life and how it went, man, my high school and my college, even after that, a few years. And I think a lot of you today, um, if you let it, it can change your life. What I'm praying for is that dozens and dozens and dozens of you today would come back to God, that you would find yourself in a place that you didn't mean to be in, uh, maybe some mistakes you made, some decisions you made, and today you would say, God, I'm running back to you, man. I'm running back into your arms. Your grace is an ocean. I'm sinking. I need you. And that's my prayer today. Uh, this is one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible, and uh, you've probably heard it a million times just like I have, but here's what I don't want to happen today. I don't want the familiarity of this story uh, to lose its impact and the life change that it can have on your life. It's a great parallel of what a lot of us are going through, what I've been through, and it will read, if you let it, like something you're going through exactly in your life right now, and it can change you. So let's read Luke chapter 15. And I want to warn you, uh, I'm all about having a good time, and I'm all about having some fun. And if you know me for more than 10 seconds, you know that. But most of this story isn't all that fun. And I don't want you to get mad at me or get bored with me or whatever, but it's not the happiest message for most of the time. So I'm just going to go ahead and give you like a warning before we, we get going, all right? Luke chapter 15, verse 11 says this. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And I want to get an idea of kind of who I'm speaking with today, uh, who I'm speaking to, uh, kind of get my bearings of, of, of who's in here. How many of you have ever, and I love interactions, so help me out, you know, to participate. How many of you have ever heard a story, a Bible study, a small group lesson, a message, a sermon, whatever, on the prodigal son? How many? Yeah, yeah, most of us. 
Now, I want to clarify and I want to point out a few things that I believe that you might have heard that I've heard before that are untrue, that I believe that are untrue. What I've heard, and I've heard guys talk about this younger son, like he was the most evil person to ever walk the planet, that he was this hard, black-hearted, you know, intrinsically bad person that he went to his father and asked for his inheritance, and if his father would have said no, he would have smuggled the old man while he slept, you know, and he was just this evil, evil person. And I don't read anything in the text that supports that. I just don't, and I've looked, and I've looked, and I've looked, and I've gone. I understand people talk about the culture that day, but what I see in this young man is a little impatient, a little rebellious, a little prideful, a little ungrateful, but I don't think that he was just this evil, evil guy. I don't think that he woke up one day and said, man, I want to ruin my life. You know, I want to thumb my nose in the, in the face of my father and my family and all they've done for me. I just don't believe that. And I point that out to say this. I think there's some people in this room today that are in a place that you don't want to be in, that you've made some mistakes You've done some things, you've made some decisions, and you find yourself in a place that you know you shouldn't be in, that you wish you could get back to, and I just don't think today that you're this evil, bad person. I think just like this young man, you've just made some decisions that weren't the the wisest decisions. You've made some mistakes, and the scariest thing about this whole story is that the father gives the son exactly what he asked for. See, we're free will creatures. And sometimes, oftentimes, when we ask God to let us go our own way and we want to do our own thing, he'll let us go our own way. We want some independence, you know, just to kind of do it on our own and see, and and our independence turns into deep loneliness eventually. Uh, And we just want to experiment. That's why there might be a college student in here today that you just wanted to experiment and do your own thing. And your experiment has turned into an addiction because God will let you go your own way. Let's keep reading verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now look what it says there. He, he set out to a different country. It said he went to Las Vegas and blew all his money. Everything that his dad gave him, he went out and blew on just some wild living, having a good time, just living it up. And he had no idea that he was about to ruin his life. All he did, all he did was set out in the wrong direction. How many of you can remember the time in your life, maybe it was one moment, maybe it was five, six, seven, eight moments, where you made a decision, where you set off in the wrong direction, where you ignored some godly counsel, you ignored some advice, you you rejected the Holy Spirit trying to lead you and guide you, and you ignored that, and you set off in the wrong direction. I heard this, I grew up, man, I've been in church a long, long time, and you guys remember revivals, remember those things, you know, we playing like the old guys would come and scream at you and it would be a cool week. But anyways, I always loved it because my dad was a pastor and we got to go take them out to eat. So I always got to go in late at school. But anyways, that's what I remember. I heard a guy say this, and I've heard this my whole life, and it's so true, and it came back to me when I was uh, preparing this message. It says this, sin will always take you further than you ever wanted to go, keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay, and cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. Can you pinpoint the time in your life where you set off in the wrong direction. You had no idea where it was going to lead you. And if you could go back, there's no doubt you would make some different choices. There's no doubt you would have listened to that parent, that mentor, that person that wanted to speak into your life that you ignored. And now you find yourself just like this son, just squandering, 
everything you have, and you're living in this crazy, crazy, crazy life, and if you could go back, you would no doubt change that. Can you go back and pinpoint that time, the decisions that you make? Here's what I want to do, and I love getting interactive. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and just for the next 90, maybe two minutes, just tell them that deep, dark secret. You've never told any, I'm just kidding, I would never make you do that. Never, never. (laughs) 50 people just ran out the back door. (laughs) I just about to throw something at me. So listen, I wouldn't make you do that. Because we don't want to talk about that. We want to stay away from that. And that's no fun because we, know, we all know and we're laughing because we can identify. Now, we don't want to go back to that place and we don't want to talk about that place. Have you ever heard this? I've heard this, you know, in like those revivals. These guys would get up there and they would wave their finger at you. And I don't get why they're doing that. But they would tell you this. They would say, sin is not fun. Sin is bad. It's going to send you to hell. Sin is not fun. And I'm going, you're not doing sin right if it's not fun, dude. Seriously, like, like sin is fun. If it wasn't fun, we wouldn't have a problem dealing with it. But here's what the Bible says, that sin's only fun for a season. And then comes punishment. Listen to this. If you're taking notes, write this down. There's a grace period between sin and punishment called pleasure. You hear me? There's a grace period between sin and and punishment called pleasure. So so you might be living it up right now, and you might be having the time of your life. You might have more money in your bank account than you've ever had, and you might be the most popular student on your campus, and you might be living it up, and you might be on that adrenaline rush flirting with somebody you know you shouldn't be flirting with, but listen, you might be having fun, and you're saying, man, nothing's going on with me. I'm having the time of my life, and here's what I would say. Just give it time. Just give it time, because the Bible says be sure your sins will find you out, and I believe this book So sin is only fun for a a season. So let's look how bad it gets for this young man. Verse 14 says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Uh, There's three phrases that stick out to me in this verse that I want to talk about just for a few minutes if I can. Number one, he spent everything. Number two, there was a a severe famine. And number three, he began to be in need. Some of you today have spent everything that you have. You've spent it emotionally, spiritually, uh, financially, physically, and you're at a point where, man, you just got nothing left. You're running on E. And you've spent everything that you, you have. You've tried to do it on your own. You've tried to, 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 to do it on your own. You've tried to make your own choices. You've ignored people. You, you, you've had this laser focus on here's what I'm going to do. Forget everybody else. And you have come to a point where you've spent everything that you have. This young man left his father's protection to do, it on his, to do his on his own, and he spent everything that he had. Have you ever heard this, that it's rarely a blowout, it's usually a slow leak? That's so true. It's rarely a blowout, it's usually a slow leak. So this, this young man spent everything that he had because there was a severe famine in the land. And I want to say something just real quick about the current condition of our country. Uh, I'm praying that uh, God would heal our economy, and I'm praying for our president and our leaders, just like you're praying for our economy and praying for our president and our leaders. And if you're not praying for our president and our leaders, you need to be praying for our president and our leaders. And some of us need to spend less time on Facebook hating on our president and our government and our country and more time praying for them, and we might see a little change. I'm sorry. Don't be mad at me. It just came out. I'm sorry. But listen, So I'm praying for that. But more than I'm praying that God would heal our economy, I'm praying that God would heal us. Because sometimes it takes God to break us and for a severe famine to take place, that something might not seem all that good and God breaks us to get us on our knees and then he comes and he heals our land because we're in need. We've spent everything. There's a severe famine and we find ourselves in need, just like this younger son. 
I believe some of us have spent everything today and we're in need and what we need is a fresh start, a new beginning. We've tried different sexual partners. We've tried to find fulfillment in accomplishment. We've spent everything that we have and now we're just going, God, I'm in need. Uh, It's left me empty. It's left me hopeless. And all he's asking you to do today is look back to him, to come back to him, to come home. Uh, My wife and I and our son Finn went to, and our new baby, I can't leave him out, you know, he's in there, tucked in, uh, coming September 16th, pray for that, uh, and I can't tell you his name, and if I slip up, my wife will kill me, we're holding a surprise, but you know, I almost said it the other day, praying in front of Troy and Paul, and they almost got it, they were like, what'd you say? But anyways, listen, so we're at the beach this past week, and uh, we're hanging out with my parents, and my brother, and my sister, and uh, every single year, and my family's extremely competitive, we're just almost sickening competitive, pray for us, but uh, we... Uh, me and my brothers, we try to get as far as we can out into the ocean. You know, who can go the furthest until the lifeguard whistles and screams at us and says, you're about to get eaten by sharks, and then we swim back in. And so we always try to get as far as we can. Well, my dad and I, it was just us two, we're out in the middle of the ocean. Man, we're just talking church. We're talking kids and grandbabies and having new babies. And we're just hanging out, and we find ourselves, we look up, and we're probably further than I've ever been in my life, right? Like, we're out, like, with the cruise ships, you know? So we're, we're like, really, really far. So I'm looking at him like, dude, you know, we, we weren't paying attention. We need to head back to the shore. So we start swimming a little bit. We start swimming. And we're getting a little closer. And then we start hearing this really faint voice. And it's kind of like a, ah, nah, nah. So we're looking around like, what in the world's going on? Ah, nah, nah. So we look around. Well, there's this lady in a float about 50 feet behind us, just floating in the middle of the ocean with a little sunscreen on her nose, you know, a little shades. So she's screaming for us to help her. So me and my dad go and get this lady. We put one arm in the float and we start swimming back to the shore. I said, man, what happened? She said, man, I was just sitting here catching some rays and now I find myself out here, you know, with a cruise ship like you. So, so we're out there, right? So we start going. We start going, we start going, and man, it's tough. And there's thunderstorms everywhere. You guys know that, man. And we're going, and we're going, and we're going. Well, here's what it feels like. Every five or six strokes that we take towards the beach, it's like six or seven knock us back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You been there? So we're trying to go, we're trying to go. So I look at my dad, and I'm like, dude, we got to get with it, man. Like, we're going to be out here for like two weeks if we don't do something, right? So we've got our arm, and I said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to count to three, and I'm trying to pump him up. You know, my dad's not in the greatest shape. You know, I said, we're about to get rolling, all right? I said, I'm going to count to three, and we're just going to go nuts for as long as we can. Then we'll take a break. Enough of this three and stop. We're just going to go nuts, get a break, then go again. So here's what we do. One, two, three. So, man, we start going, man, and we're going, and we're going. So I go to about 10 or 15 seconds, and I, and I think I'm in decent shape. I thought I was until we had to do this. And we're going, and we're going, and then it just gets extremely hard. And, man, I feel like I'm going against the world, and I can't move. So I look over to my dad. I'm about to give him a pep talk, and my dad's got both his arms in the float with his head laid down. I'm like, dude, we are going to drown if you do not help me get this lady back to the beach. So he's like, all right, so we go, and no exaggeration, it takes us about 30 minutes to get back to the beach, and we walk up, there's like a crowd of people waiting for us now, this one lady walks up, she asks, she said, did you guys save that woman's life? My dad goes, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, we did. I was like, you were asleep half the time, dude. No, no, no. But it was a slow, slow drift. Before we knew it, man, we were further than we ever thought we'd be. And this poor lady trying to catch some rays with the white sunscreen on her nose is out there all by herself, you know? So it might have, it took a little uh, struggle, it took a little work, but we were able to get back to where we needed to get. So it's a slow, slow drift. That's exactly what happens with sin. 
That's exactly what happens with these mistakes that we made when we're ignoring this counsel, this advice. We get further and further and further and further. And before we know it, we're so far that we cannot even get back to the shore. But I take courage today knowing that this young man began to be in need. So you don't have to wait today. You don't have to wait till you spend everything. You don't have to wait until you uh, uh, blow your marriage. Uh, Nobody wakes up uh, one morning and says, man, today would be a great day to ruin my life. Nobody does that. You don't have to wait until that moment to make your way back to God. And I just want to get just a quick survey. You know, maybe you're sitting out here today and say, man, I'm not struggling with, you know, committing adultery. I'm not addicted to alcohol or pornography or whatever. I just want to ask, is there anybody in this room, anybody that's completely perfect and you live in complete fear and reverence of the God who saves you and you walk in complete perfection? Is there anybody here today? So this message is for all of us. We all like sheep have gone astray and we all need grace. And I'm just glad today, just like we sing, when we do get too far and we are in that ocean, and we feel like we're drowning, that his grace is an ocean. And he catches us and he brings us back home. Verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now that's a bad job no matter who you are, right? Somebody needs to call, what's his name, Mike Rowe, dirty bad jobs, and get him out here to prodigal son's job, right? Uh, but especially if you're a Jewish man. Because uh, the religious system, Jewish religious system, uh, considered pigs unclean. So they weren't allowed to eat pigs. They weren't even allowed to touch pigs. And now he finds himself feeding animals that his religious system considered unclean. So here's what you could say. You could say that this young man had sank lower than he ever thought he'd sink. He drifted further than he ever thought he would drift. And there comes a point on your self-made journey where you're at a place you never thought you'd be. You you would say, man, me and my wife, we would never consider having a divorce. And now you're talking about divorce. You're saying, man, my kids will never do that. My kids will never live like I did. And now you find your kids running wild. And man, you just don't know what to do. And you're trying to find yourself and you're wondering, man, how do I fix this? And it's just so clear that God is the answer. Our Father is the answer. He always has been and he always will be. You never thought you'd get caught in the undertow, but today that's exactly where you find yourself. We flirt with the line of sin and we try to get so close to the edge and we try to get so close till eventually we fall off. So man, today are there people in here that are so close to the edge and you know you need to turn around. Are there people in here today that have fallen off But man, today, the only way you're rescued is if Jesus, if the Father brings you back. I've been praying for this message. I've been preparing for a couple of weeks. And I'm reading this, and I'm thinking about people in this room, and I'm thinking about my own self and what I've been through and what I've done. And man, we're singing that song, How He Loves, and I'm just freaking out over there. What's the, uh, I don't have time to, to maintain the regrets when I think about the way you love me. And I'm going, God, I don't deserve to be up here. I don't deserve to be able to, to stand here and lead these people in worship. Man, if you guys knew the things that I've done, where I've been, man, you probably wouldn't listen to another word I'm saying, but I don't have time to maintain those regrets. 
steps. I don't have time to think about what I've done because I've been forgiven. I've been free and the blood of Jesus has washed me clean and he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. That's why we can approach the father and that's why we can go to him. And I wanna remind anybody here today that's feeding pigs, that's rolling around with the pigs that you're better than that. You're better than that. Because of the grace of God, because of the blood of Jesus, you're better than that. You're better than rolling around with some pigs. You're better than that you're not even supposed to touch pigs, much less eat with them and roll around with them. Uh, Young lady, you're better than the guy who tells you that he's not going to love you or be with you if you're not giving your body away to him. And you need to dump that loser this afternoon because you're better than that. Some of you guys, uh, uh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Some of you guys sitting around at your, your, your lunch break Uh, talking perverted and saying some of the things that you're saying, you're better than that. You're better than that. And I want to remind you today that you have a great God that loves you and sent his son for you, and you're better than what you've become. Don't eat with the pigs. Don't even get near the pigs. Stay away from that line. Stay away from getting drifted and drifted and drifted. Let's keep reading verse 16. He longed to fill the stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, my message has been depressing from up to here, and I know that, and I'm sorry. You know, some of you about to fall asleep. This guy's asleep. Wake him up. Listen, it's about to get good. Bump your neighbor and say, it's about to get good. Come on, tell him. Say, it's about to get good. Listen, verse 17, when he came to his senses, I love that because I've known I'm going to be preaching this message for two months, and I've been praying for you, man. I've been praying for you, lady, student, and here's what I've been praying. I've been praying that you would come to your senses that you would realize, uh, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be rolling around with pigs. I'm not supposed to be considering having an affair. I'm not supposed to be compromising my integrity. You're better than that. You need to come to your senses today. The King James Version says, he came to himself. You need to realize today that there's more in you than what's going on around you. There's more flowing in you than what's happening outside of you because the blood of Jesus has washed you or it can wash you and make you clean. You're better than what you've become. And I get it. I've been there. And I know you fool us. You walk in, you pull up in your minivan with your sweater vest tucked into your khakis with your arm around your wife and you kiss her on the cheek and you raise your hand at church. And I know you're fooling us all. And internally you're a mess and you're about to break down because I've been there. You're better than that. Today you need to come to your senses Say, I'm not supposed to be here. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, man, I love that. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I heard a great story that illustrates this message. And I like to share uh, personal illustrations and stuff out of my own life. But this was too good not to pass along. So just bear with me. It's probably not even true. Somebody probably made it up. But here, here it is. It's this guy, and he's always wanted to go on a cruise his whole life. How many of you ever been on a cruise? Best vacation in the world. Me and my wife love it. You just eat and sleep. I eat for 12 hours. I sleep for 12 hours. It's the greatest vacation ever. So this guy always wanted to go on a cruise. So he and his wife, they saved up, and they saved up, and they saved up until they finally had enough money to go on this cruise. Well, they spent all their money filling up their car, getting to the port, getting on the cruise. So what they did because they ran out of money, is they just packed a ton of ham and cheese, peanut butter and jelly, and crackers so they could eat in their room. But what they didn't know was that when you pay for a cruise, it's all inclusive. You pay for the food when you get on a cruise. A lot of Christians do the same thing. We get saved. 
we get forgiven and then we huddle in the corner or in our room and eat peanut butter and jelly and ham and cheese. Uh, Listen to me. Have you ever heard this? Have you ever heard this? That we are just sinners saved by grace. You ever heard that? We're just sinners saved by grace. I don't think there's anything more untrue about that. It's so untrue. It's false. Listen to me. We are sinners saved by grace. There's no doubt about it. We're sinners saved by grace, but we are not just sinners saved by grace. See, my Bible tells me we are sons and daughters. My Bible tells me Ephesians 3.20 that we're able to do immeasurably more than anything that we could ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. So here's what God's telling us this morning. Get out of your room. Stop eating ham and cheese. Stop eating crackers. You are at my table. You're my sons. You're my daughters. Make your way up to the dining room. Kick your chair back. Get some prime lit rib, some lobster, and some crab cakes because you are my son. You are my daughter. And I demonstrated how much I love you and how much you mean to me when I sent my son for you. You're better than what you've become. Don't stay in the room and eat with crackers. No pun intended. <laughs> Sorry. So the son divides as a plan. He's tired of eating crackers. He's tired of eating peanut butter and jelly. Here's what he does. Verse 18. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Now there's two phases to this young man's plan. Number one, he's going to confess. And number two, he's going to work his way back into God's good graces. Excuse me, work his way back into good graces with his father. Now what he does first is right on. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The second part, not so much, and we'll get to that. And if I could read your mind today, here in this message, because I've been there, you're starting to rehearse your homecoming speech, just like this son did. Uh, you know, we've all done that. Have you done this? Uh, God, if you just get me out of this, I promise I'll, I'll never again. I swear to you, I'll start. You know what I mean? Anybody else been there? Am I the only person that's done that? Right. So we rehearse this homecoming speech. He says, man, make me like a servant. I'm not worthy to be called your son. And we've all done that. But listen to verse 20, what happens. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now, this is the point in the story where Jesus' audience would have been completely mind-blown. And here's why. In that culture, in that period of time, uh, respect especially uh, parental authority, respect, was just huge. It was so high. So if you had wronged your father, your mother, or an authority figure, they would never, ever approach you. You with me? So if you wronged them and you wanted to apologize, you had done something against them, you would have to approach them fully. You'd have to make your way to them. They would never almost even move a muscle. It's almost just a sign of, you've wronged me, here I am, come say I'm sorry. So you would make your way, uh, most of the time, depending on the, um, the uh, severity of the, the wronging, you'd have to maybe kneel, you know, kiss their feet, kiss their hands, and beg for their forgiveness. So when Jesus says that this father got off his front porch and ran to his son, it would blow their minds. 
because that should not happen. And here's what's some good news today is that God the Father pursues you. God the Father loves you. God the Father wants you. God the Father carries you. And here's some good news too. This story reads like it happens overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. Nobody drifts from God in a day. Nobody wakes up on Monday morning and says, man, this year is going to be a great year to ruin my life. This, this would be a great day to start not reading my Bible or praying for the next year. Nobody does that. So to, for this son to make his way back to his father probably took a long, long journey. So I want to encourage you today, at least you came to church. You know, it's raining outside. It's forth. At least you showed up today. So today, if you just take a step in the right direction God the Father will run to you. He'll meet you. And you might not get there, and there might be consequences for your sins, for your mistakes, but at least you're heading back to the Father. And I know what you're thinking, because I thought it too, reading this story, I'm going, all right, dude, it's a good story, and it's nice, but the Father's on the front porch. He's been wrong, but it's his son. Like, if his servant does that, he kicks him to the curb, he never lets him back in his house, but come on, there's going to be a little grace there with his son. And I get that. When I was growing up, my dad has been in ministry, has been in church work for as long as I can remember, been a pastor for 24 years now. So he always had this rule, always. On Thursday, he was on lockdown. He'd make a joke, if the president calls, I'm unavailable. So he would lock, you know, he tells his assistant, you know, I don't want anybody coming in. He would tell the reception, no phone calls. I'm finishing up my message. This is what I'm doing. Well, his friend, Jason Dupree, Always stopped by and saw him. Always came in, just walked right in. He'd always kind of sneak in, whatever. Well, on Thursdays, there was no way Jason was able to get in. Just on lockdown. He'd be calling my dad, texting him. My dad's got his phone off. He was on lockdown studying. Well, Jason, don't tell him, he's a smart guy. And he began to see, because my dad also has another rule, that his kids can come into his office anytime they want. No matter what, no matter when, no matter what meeting, no matter what's going on, we could just walk in. We didn't even have to knock because we are his kids. So Jason's kind of starts feeling and seeing what's taking place. So I get out of school one day, and I'm at church. I got my backpack. Well, Jason walks up to me, puts his arm around me, and says, yo, man, how's school going? You doing all right? Man, if I could ever help you with some homework, let me know. I said, great, man. Thank you. He said, man, let's go see your dad real quick. I said, all right. So we start walking. Well, Jason's with me. So we look at the receptionist, and we just kind of wave at her. We walk down the offices. We pass office, office, office. We get to his assistant, my dad's assistant. We just wave at her. We don't even knock. We just walk into my dad's office, and now we're standing in my dad's office. Uh, Well, you're going, you just said that there's no way that anybody's allowed in your office except for you guys on a Thursday. Here's what Jason Dupree realized 10 or 15 years ago that we have to realize today. Jason understood that he had access to the Father through the Son. Yeah, yeah. He had access to the Father through the Son. He knew that there was no way he could get to God, man. He knew that there was no way on his own accord. There's no way he could make it. There's nothing he could do. There's nothing he could say. There's no, no matter how much forgiveness, there's no way he could get to my dad without me. So he understood that he had access to the Father through the Son, and that's exactly how we get to God the Father today. You see, God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to take our place on a cross. So when God looks at you and you've repented and you're on the way home, he doesn't see your mistakes. 
He doesn't see your filth. He doesn't see your baggage or your garbage or all the decisions you've made. He doesn't see the wild living. He doesn't see all the mistakes. He doesn't see how many resources you've blown. He sees his spotless, perfect son, Jesus. And I know today you're coming up with this speech and you're saying, man, Stevie, that's a nice story, but you have no idea what I've done. You have no idea where I've been. And the father became completely undignified on that day when he ran to his son, just as God the father became completely undignified when he went to the cross. The Bible says he became flesh, taking on the form of a servant for us. I'm gonna finish the story, verse 21. It said, the son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Remember his little rehearsed, rehearsed speech, make me like one of your servants, put me on your payroll, I'm sorry. And then his father interrupts him, and he says, shut up. Right in the middle of his speech, he doesn't say that, but if it's 2013, he's saying, shut up. And here's what he says, 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Let me tell you something about the heart of God. He is a father, and he loves you, and he cares for you, and he is begging you this morning to come back to him. Regardless of what you've done, where you've been, what you've said, what you've thought, how long it's been, and how far you've gone, he's begging you today, come back home. Just shut up and come home. Stop giving me your excuses. And you're thinking, man, what is, what is my, my wife going to think? You know, what is my, uh, my friends going to think? You know, you might uh, be a small group leader here. You might be a, a, a decision, can, you know, whatever. You, you might be on staff here. Stop giving your excuses. And the word of God today, what I think he's telling you is just shut up and come home. And that's the gospel. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still a long way off, while we were still doing our own thing, Christ died for us while we were dirty. And some of us say we got to get cleaned up before we come to God. God does the cleaning through his son, Jesus, who's spotless and who's perfect and who washes us white as snow. That's good. I want you to listen to this. I want you to write this down if you can, tweet it, whatever, keep it on your phone. If you don't hear anything I say today, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. God does not see your life through the lens of all that you've done. He sees your life through the lens of what his son Jesus has done for you. White as snow, erased, gone. And I read that and I just think about where I've been and what I've done. I'm getting kind of emotional right now just thinking about that I'm able to stand here and talk to you guys and open the word of God and it's only because of the grace of God, the blood of God of Jesus. And the son starts giving all his excuses. Listen, when he starts uh, saying how much he's messed up and how much he's sinned against him, remember that? He's getting, man, I've sinned against you. You know, make me like one of your son. Hi. The, the father doesn't disagree with that. He says, yep, yep, you've blown it. Nevertheless, my grace, my love overrides your insubordination, your pride, your arrogance, your independence. My grace overrides all those things. And listen to this, when he forgives you, he doesn't just excuse you, he restores you. So it's not like I'll get, go sit in the corner for two, for two weeks and we'll see what happens when we go out. It's like it never even happened. 
And then look what it says. They celebrated. And we're about to do that because I believe today, and I've been praying for you for two months, that there's dozens and dozens and dozens of you today that need to come home. And we're about to celebrate that because there's a lot of people that might be home and we, we might be walking with God, but today there's a lot of people in here that need to come home. I'm gonna say a prayer in just a second, just a minute. And this prayer doesn't save you. Uh, This prayer doesn't clean you up, but meaning it in your heart saying, God, I need you. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. I'm tired of laying in bed at night wondering, man, there's gotta be more to life than this. And I would tell you today there is, and his name is Jesus. And he can change you. He can forgive you. He gives you the new start. He gives you the new beginning. And everything you've tried to do on your own and being left empty and hopeless, he changes everything. That void that you have in your heart, that emptiness can only be filled by God the Father through his son, Jesus. You guys would close your eyes, please. Just bow your heads. Nobody getting up and moving around a ton. I just want to take this time, very, very important time. If you would say today, Stevie, man, that read like an autobiography of my life. Man, I'm far from God. I've made some decisions I'm not proud of. I've made some mistakes. I've ignored some people. I've done some things I know I shouldn't have done. And I don't know what to do today. You need to come back to God. You need to come home. You need to shut up with all your excuses and come back to God. If you lay in bed at night and say, man, there's gotta be more to life than this. If your life feels empty, it's because you, you're not home. You don't have Jesus, and today you need him. And I'm going to say a prayer in just a minute, like I said, and if you mean it today and you say, God, I want you to change me today. I need a new beginning today. I want you to say that prayer with me in your heart. I'm going to say it out loud. You say it in your heart. Nobody's looking around. It's just us. Say this. Say, God, I need you. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my mistakes my decisions, God, my choices that weren't pleasing to you. I need you to save me today. I need you to change me. I need to wash in the blood of Jesus. God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for cleaning me up. God, thank you for a new beginning. With your head still bowed, eyes still closed, nobody looking around. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three. And if you said that prayer with me, maybe for the first time in your life, the first time you ever come home, maybe you've drifted and you've said that prayer before, and today's just the time where you're saying, God, I need to come back. I don't want to get into terminology today. I want to get about change. I want to get about grace and mercy. If you said that prayer today and you're ready for a new start, a new beginning, I'm going to count to three, and I just want you to shoot your hand up. Nobody's looking around. It's going to be hard, but I want you to shoot your hand up. And I promise you this. I give you my word. You will not be the only person with your hand up because there's dozens of you in here that need to come home. So here I go. Count of three, you're going to raise your hand. If you said that prayer, if you want a new start, new beginning, here we go. One, two, three. Come on, shoot your hand up. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. The greatest decision you could ever make in your life. Here's what I want. Everybody keep your eyes closed. If you raise your hand, I want you to look at me. If you raise your hand, I want you to look at me. Nobody else, just if you raise your hand. At the end of this service, there's going to be a help center out there, and there's a connection card that you got when you came in the, in the door. Uh, I, I understand the prodigal son didn't fill out a connection card, and that's not how he got changed. It's the grace of God that saves us and changes us. But you would be robbing us of being able to celebrate with you 
what I'm asking you to do, what I'm begging you to do is just fill out that connection card and say, today I came home. Today I was saved. Today I had my sins forgiven. Whatever you want to call it, today I came home. You can just put that, today I came home. We just want to celebrate with you and just drop that in the help center in the atrium on your way out. Nothing crazy, nothing. Nobody's going to stop you or kidnap you or try to dance with you. Nothing weird. It's just, you're just dropping it off. We just want to celebrate with you. Everybody can open their eyes. To my best count, dozens, probably 40 or 50 hands just went up just a second ago that said, God, I need to, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I don't want a golf clap. I don't want, okay, he said clap and I need to get to lunch. I'm talking about just like they celebrated. And listen, there's another character in this story, the older son. And he wasn't too happy about son coming back and little brother getting a party thrown for him. He's like, yo, dude, I never left in the first place. Well, that's called religious. That's called legalistic. And he said, man, the the father looked at him and says, this son of mine is home. Maybe you know somebody today. Maybe somebody's going to tell you today, listen, today I said that prayer. Today I came home. And the last thing you need to do is put your nose up. Oh, here we go again. I've heard this one before. You need to embrace them and hug them and celebrate with them. So one more time, come on, let's give it up for the 50 or 60 people that came home. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Life change. That's what it's all about. Leading people on a life-changing journey to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we have church. That's why we take up an offering. That's why we work here. So that you can raise your hand and say, God, I need you. I need change. It's about life change. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for these people. God, thank you for life change. God, thank you for using us. God, I pray that today they would walk out of here with their heads held high, realizing that they are children of God, the most high God. God, and you've called them to do great things, unbelievable things. God, my prayer today is that they would mean what they pray. God, I pray for all the hands that were raised, God, all the prayers that were prayed, but moreover, I thank you for your answer, that your arms are always open wide. You're always ready for us to come home. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.